Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the show. Now, today's topic is the dreaded, feared micromanager. Do micromanagers know they are a micromanager? Are they self-aware enough to know how people feel? Here's our question for today, folks. Do you work for a micromanager? And if you do, is there a way for you to know exactly what to do? Do you have a chance to do something about it if you work for this type of manager? Or are you doomed to suffer in perpetuity? So today we're going to just dive right in. And people share your pain. If you work for a micromanager, you are in pain. We know you're suffering, but I want you to know that there is hope. There is hope if you work for a micromanager. Now let's go. So do you think micromanagers know it drives people crazy to have them as a boss? Do you think they're even self-aware? Or do you think they are clueless? And can a micromanager be officially diagnosed? Hmm. Think about that for a minute. Can they be self-diagnosed and can you diagnose them? So as an executive coach, I work with these people often. And if you think this podcast is about you, the answer is maybe. Let's find out. So this work has a two-fold purpose. It is a diagnostic tool for all of you that believe you work for a micromanager to diagnose your boss. And it is a self-diagnostic tool if you are a supervisor, manager, executive, or heaven forbid, a CEO. And can you believe that there are micromanaging CEOs out there? How in the world can you micromanage an entire organization? Well, guess what? Some people try to do that. So you will be able to micromanage your boss and you will be able to perform a self-diagnosis. That's the outcome from today's podcast. Now, the most important thing for you to understand is that micromanagers are on a spectrum. They are not all the same. Get this, they have degrees of dysfunction and if you're a micromanager, you have degrees of dysfunction. This means your degree of dysfunction is directly, get it, get it, get it, directly proportional to the willingness of your people to tolerate your abhorrent, sucky, yucky, terrible behavior. Let me say that again. Your degree of dysfunction is directly proportional to the willingness of your people to tolerate your bad behavior. Now, why do you think micromanagers do what they do? Here are some ways that you can identify the reasons people micromanage. And by the way, these are not all bad. Some of these are things that we, well, we all struggle with to some degree. So you might be a micromanager if you are insecure but you cannot or will not admit it. You're just insecure. I'm in over my head. You know, that's the number one fear of CEOs, being 
judged as incompetent in that role. Number two, you might micromanage people because you are in over your head and you don't want others to know. You, well, you're being pushed and challenged and you're, well, you're just afraid others are going to know. You micromanage because you are obsessive, compulsive, or you have some other mental challenge. ADD, ADHD, OCD, all of these can push you into becoming a micromanager. And here's one that I struggle with. You are a struggling perfectionist. Everything has to be perfect. I have a YouTube show that is called Done is Better Than Perfect for all of you recovering perfectionists like me. Here's another reason people micromanage. They are accident or mistake prone and they're overcompensating. In other words, they're so afraid of having an accident or making a mistake that they overcompensate with details. And another reason people micromanage, and sometimes this is the excuse and sometimes it's legitimate, but they are surrounded by incompetent people and they feel like they have to do everything to overcompensate for their people's shortcomings. And here's another reason people micromanage. I work fine alone, but I don't function well on a team. Do you know, people are not all created equal when it comes to their ability to function on a team. Some people are better individual contributors, while others are better teammates. And here's another one. You are a micromanager because you are a fixer and you feel compelled to help others fix their problems. You need to learn to stay in your lane, bro. Now, these are not simple to admit. We, we all have blind spots. And there are highly competent people who are poor at being a team member. And dysfunctional people start businesses and hire others all the time. So there's no way of someone saying, well, wait a minute, before you start that business, we need to see if you're a micromanager. No, micromanaging dysfunctional people start businesses and get hired because of their knowledge, skill, and experience. There is not a really good litmus test to determine if someone is a micromanager other than to ask or watch. And others may not be evaluated for their ability to work with others or lead a team. You know, just because you're good at what you do doesn't mean you're going to be good at leading others to do what you did. And the most neglected thing that I see as a coach, as a trainer, as a speaker, is that frontline supervisors have never been trained to delegate properly. There is a way to delegate. So somehow, some way, these micromanaging people get through the cracks like roaches. Just kidding. Micromanagers are not generally evil people. Well, well, some may actually be evil people, but I would say most are not evil people. And they can have a wonderful heart and a huge desire to be successful. And we, we usually see them as hard workers who believe they are leading by example. This becomes their blind spot. They think they're leading by example. And, and some leaders, some managers, some supervisors micromanage because they just don't trust others to do the work. They have trust issues. You have trust issues if you micromanage others. And there's 
two reasons that people normally micromanage. They don't trust or they don't want to allow someone else to fail. I see this a lot in family-owned businesses where the, the parent CEO is trying to pass the business to the child and the parent over-manages the child because they don't want to see that child fail in the family business. Now, most people do not want to work for a micromanager. If you feel this way, you are completely normal, Brocephus. And when someone constantly looks at your work or asks about the status of your work, it gets uncomfortable for everyone. I don't, I can't think of anyone that likes to have someone constantly look over their shoulder or ask about the status of the work. And if you give someone work and take it back, folks, that, that's kind of weird. That kind of makes them feel strange. So get this point. People do not want to take chances. They don't want to innovate and they certainly don't want to fail when they work for a micromanager. A micromanager is agreeable only if you agree with them. Let me say that again. A micromanager is agreeable only if you agree with them. In other words, they actually don't want census or consensus or compromise. They just want you to do it their way, and they just want to be right, and you need to agree with them. Do you work for this boss? Just, just do it the way I said. Just do it the right way. And for a micromanager, failure is a bad thing. And they fear failure more than the learning that results from failing. If you don't or can't fail publicly, you have a problem. If you get angry or frustrated when your people make an honest mistake, you have a big problem, brother. You know your boss is, is, is a micromanager. So let's just say that, hey, look, I, I know I'm, this, this guy I've got, this lady I've got, she is a micromanager. What do you do now? So here's some survival tips for you. The first thing I want you to do is try to develop empathy for the boss. If you know they are good people, try to understand the reason for the bad behavior. Are, are they struggling to be successful? Are they under extreme pressure? Are they insecure. This might help you pardon some bad habits. Maybe, just maybe. Now, here's a way to deal with a micromanaging boss. Give the boss some control and keep them from being surprised. Give them the big decisions by creating choices for them. I call this the illusion of control. I'm going to give you some well, it's mental jujitsu here. And by the way, you probably already do this with your spouse or significant other. So I call this the rule of three choices. The rule of three choices. If you work for a micromanager and you have to, let's say you have to present something to them, use the rule of three choices. That means you give them two good choices, both of which you support, and then one choice that is obviously wrong. One that would never be picked. And the contrast in choices accomplishes two things. First, it anchors your two good choices. And here's the cool part. It allows them to feel like they picked the choice for you. <laughs> it's, so fun. it's so cool. If you give them two good choices and they pick, they feel like they picked the choice for you. Kind of cool, huh? Now, if you are new or the boss is new, don't don't judge them as a micromanager prematurely. You must give both of you time to adjust to each other's pace of work. 
What might seem to be micromanagement may actually be you learning how the organization works if you're the new person. Remember the Karate Kid and Wax On, Wax Off? Mr. Miyagi was getting Daniel to do all those jobs and he didn't understand that the boss might be teaching you something. You might be learning something. You might be learning how to avoid problems or you might be learning through her experience. Now, it may be time for you to lead your micromanager boss and you can do that. All you have to do is build structure in your own schedule. This creates boundaries. Make it a point to update the boss periodically with the information she wants before she wants it. And you can do this with an email, a visit, but what you want to do is avoid or at least reduce the random conversations between you and your boss by planning communication. And you may reduce her need to even ask for the information if you do this. So take charge by giving updates before she asks for them. Now, if you have a micromanager boss, you can't go it alone. It just sucks to do it alone. So what I want you to do is look for someone at work to vent with about the behavior. There is likely someone else that feels like you feel, and then you will feel better if you talk about it with someone. And here's the cool part. You might even learn some coping skills from a more experienced coworker in the process. Now, changing gears a little bit. Micromanagers create high levels of stress in the workplace. And when you endure this stress alone, it can feel worse. But enduring this stress with another person can bond you together with your coworkers. So use the micromanaging boss as a way of leveraging a closer relationship with your coworkers. Now I want you to also build your own confidence as part of the learning experience. Do not, big do not, big, big do not, do not allow a bad boss to ruin a job you love. Don't let them make you quit. Ask for boundaries. Ask for boundaries from your boss. Over time, you may actually condition the boss to behave better. In other words, you are both adjusting to each other. And think about this. Pace of work and communication are usually the hybrid of your two working styles. So the pace of the work in your business, in your job, and the pace of communication are almost always going to be a hybrid of both your styles. And if you're good at your job, the boss is going to want to keep you. They don't want to lose a good employee. So you always have some degree of control in a relationship. It may be small, but you have some control in this micromanaging relationship. So finally, here's what I want you to do. This is, this is the hardest one of all, and this is the one most people fear. Most people fear confrontation. They fear having a positive rumble. But I want you to have the difficult conversation with your boss. I call this going toward the resistance. Use a proven methodology to give the boss feedback. I teach several methods of giving feedback, and there, there's one for sure on my YouTube channel, Done is Better Than Perfect. But use a proven feedback methodology to give the boss feedback. Because here's the kicker, here's the beauty, here's the magic. They will likely never change if you don't tell them how you feel. 
So you got to get off your butt and have this hard conversation. Most good people will listen. And guess what? Most good bosses are going to try to improve. If you're honest, if you're kind, and if you're deliberate about the feedback, they will listen. Now, it's likely they may revert back, and you may have to remind them, but good people will listen to you. If you approach someone with respect and confidence, they're going to listen. Most people want to change if they agree with you. And I just want you to take this into consideration. Change is a process, not an event. You're going to have to remind that boss from time to time. And if you are the micromanager, if you've listened to this and you said, oh my gosh, I am a micromanager, work on your behavior. Understand that you are on the spectrum. You are on the spectrum. Self-awareness is essential to grow as a leader. And if you're the micromanager, make a commitment to improve publicly with your team. I know this is hard. I know this is big. But if you make that public commitment, look, guys, I know I've been micromanaging you, but I want you to hold me accountable for change. Your team will appreciate your transparency and effort. And guess what? It'll make you look like a better leader. So there, that was not so bad. You have options, fam. Don't keep suffering. Don't keep existing. Be deliberate about your own life. Because guess what? Crazy people will talk to the boss. Crazy people will give the boss feedback. Crazy people will speak up when others are silent. Are you crazy enough to stop the pain? Are you crazy enough to take some action? Are you crazy enough to win? Until next time.